A few years ago, 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, there was a famous ball game between Stanford and Cal. Some of you already know what I'm going to say. You think you can predict where I'm going with this. Well, you probably can. You see, the way that the game transpired, as a matter of fact, this is so far back, John Elway was the quarterback for Stanford. And God rest his soul. Um, he's not dead, but he's just, you know. I'm a Chargers fan, so God rest his soul, okay? They had kicked, Stanford had kicked what seemed to be a game-winning field goal to go ahead in the game. And all that had to transpire was running out four seconds on the clock. So Stanford kicked to Cal, and within a second and a half, there was already contact on the ball carrier. Game should have been over, except Cal had a plan. The unexpected plan. And as I have watched the video over and over this past week, I think there were seven total laterals of the ball. Where just before the ball carrier gets tackled, and the game is over, and Stanford wins, and they get to hoist the trophy high, and all the Stanford faithful, those trees. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I get it. They're really smart over there at Stanford, so they're a little lacking when it comes to mascots, right? I mean, if you want a mascot, you want a bear or you want a tree? from the mouth of wisdom. And so there were seven laterals of the ball. Well, it doesn't matter if the time has expired, the ball is still live. And many of you are replaying this in your mind. You've seen this, that the last carrier, actually it was right before the last carrier, the, the Stanford band started to take the field. Like they were going out onto the field, not like by five feet, we're talking they had already encroached by 50% and were all moving to their positions. It looked like the end of a game where the crowd rushes onto the field. There were easily 50 to 60 people on that field when the last lateral was made, and I think it was somewhere around the 35-yard line. And so the individual for Cal carrying the ball there were no Stanford players because they're looking and they're seeing all these band people and other people taking the field, and their expectation was, oh, the play must be dead. And so what happens is the ball carrier has to weave through all of these band people, and the poor trombone player just got blitzed. And he, I saw the video of him giving testimony, and the trombone is mounted on a wall of his office in the background, and it's crushed. It's a smashed trombone, and it stands there in infamy. And they're all giving witness to this. And, and the, the, the person who ran the ball in for the touchdown and won, there was so much confusion because the unexpected happened. And even the, the runner of the ball said, I thought it was over because 
But I knew one thing, don't stop. If you're not down, don't stop, keep going. There's a, there's a, a, a title for that game, I don't know what it's called, is it called The Game? I think it's just called The Game, right? Infamy, the unexpected happened. The unexpected happened on the Mount of Olives to start the Holy Week. And so this morning, I'm going to have you turn to Matthew 21. And I want to ask you a very simple question. Well, I think it's simple. On this Palm Sunday, are we so very different than those walking with Jesus on that day proclaiming Hosanna? Are we that different? Have you ever wondered why Easter bounces around from date to date the way it does? Why isn't always like Christmas? Let's just make this easier, please. It's because it's connected to the lunar cycle. And uh, Passover and Easter always happen after the full moon after spring. And so that's why you have the adjustment. It's connected to the lunar cycle. What was happening in this moment is we go all the way back as we look into the story, and your Matthew 21 is where you want to be. As we look into the story, it starts up in the Galilee region. It starts in some conversations you see in the Gospels where Jesus' return to Jerusalem, he's predicting, and there are those who are saying this would be his third trip from the Galilee down to Jerusalem, and there is predictions that he will suffer greatly. They were waiting for him. They were waiting for him, and his disciples tried to tell him, don't go, don't go. And this is the same time period where they received message that Lazarus was what? Lazarus was sick and near death. And Jesus waited until he could give that sign, raising Lazarus from the dead three days after, right? And then they come from the Jericho region and go up the Wadi Kelt, and now they're on the back end, the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives, where you have two small villages, Bethphage and Bethany. And last week, I think last week, we were talking a little bit about uh, the feast at, at Simon the leper's house, right? And that took place in Bethany, which is kind of on the, the southwest angle or slope of the Mount of Olives. Jerusalem would be here. Here's Bethany, and Bethpage is on the back here, all separated by about a mile. So here they come, but it's not just the disciples and Jesus. They're not alone. You see, there was a huge pilgrimage that was coming all the way up out of North Africa. They would have come up through the Negev Desert, and they would have all been coming up through the Wadi Kelt for Passover. Jesus knew this moment was scripted. He knew it was going to happen. And the people knew who Jesus was. As a matter of fact, the people of Jerusalem in one of the Gospels says they went out to meet him, right? They heard he was coming, and they were so desperate for the Messiah to take his spot. That was the expectation. That was the prediction. But this morning, our sermon title is Palm Reading. I was asked just before I came up here, is the sermon title really Palm Reading? Isn't that controversial? Isn't that, what are we doing talking about palm reading? Well, it's Palm Sunday and we're reading about it. It's that simple, folks. 
There's a little bit of play on words here. Do you, do you remember when you were in elementary school or junior high and, you know, there was that person that said, oh, I can read your poem, right? And uh, did you ever have the one person that took a red pen and then wrote on your poem? There, your palm's red. I was that guy. Sorry. I hate to admit it. I was that guy. I saw somebody else do it, and I just thought it was really funny. And, and so I did it a couple times, and then I quickly learned never to do it again. We're fascinating with the future, aren't we? We're fascinated with the future. Astrology is a multi-million dollar business, and yet most people know it's a huge hoax. At least you Gemini should know it. Thank you. <laughs> I just, just checking to see if you're still awake 10 minutes into this thing. The idea is that we are so fascinated with the future. But today's sermon is talking about expect the unexpected. We don't like that. We have our expectations and we like to mold our world into our expectations. And much of our frustration comes out of the fact that that doesn't work out very good so much of the time. So that when the unexpected, the unpredictable happens, it throws us off. Let's look at what happened to this crowd that day that Jesus came. Let's look at what happened to the disciples that day that Jesus came. Psalm 21. Now, I have a key passage up on the screen right now. It's just a portion, verses 4 through 5. I'm going to read a little bit more of the story here to set the context. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, the prophet being Zechariah. And he quotes Zechariah 9.9 here, and he says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, the others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. They had expectations. What are your expectations for Jesus right now? You know, it's fascinating. There's so many things to unpack here that we can relate to that were unpredictable. But that's the beauty of who Jesus is. He cares for us. 
Everything he's doing here, he's doing for us, and yet we keep missing it. Have you ever been in that position? You ever played hotter or colder with your kids? You're getting hotter. You're getting, no, cold, cold, cold. No, no, hot, hot. The events of what he has been doing all the way from Galilee up into Jerusalem have been fulfillments of prophecy, have been sign upon sign upon messianic sign so that they would wake up and they would see, right? It's on this journey that he turns to Martha and he says, do you believe? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. No one enters except through me, right? There is so much during this journey from Galilee up to Temple Mount and Holy Week that happens, that is intentional. How often have our bosses or how often have, uh, have we struggled with technology, right? Our email goes down, we're like, this horrible email. No, this God-blessed email. <laughs> I love technology, it's so great. I've got, got a couple individuals here that have been trying to deal with our cameras this week. So if I, I have no idea how our cameras are working right now, hopefully they're working great, and, uh, but the two individuals that have been working really hard on them, they didn't exactly have the highest level of appreciation because their expectations over the past couple weeks have not been met. And so when something doesn't do what it's supposed to do, it throws us off. That is one of the most clear statements I can make about the Holy Week and what happened, right? It says the whole city of Jerusalem came out and was saying, who is this? And then Jesus does amazing things at the temple throughout the week. And yet it all finishes. Specific choice of word. It all finishes in death on a cross on a hill called Golgotha. Not our expectation. You see, the crowds had been going through the neighborhoods, tearing branches from trees. When I was reading this, I was reminded of, of in, in, uh, in my childhood growing up, we had these trees on the meridians, right? And they would, this time of year, they would start producing these plums. You know the trees I'm talking about, right? And, and when you walk under them in, in, in summer, starting from June, July, and August, it's just a mush of, of these plums and the leftovers, right? And uh, we used to grab them on the way home from the bus, and we used to either eat some of them, but if they were too sour, then we'd just throw them at each other because it served a purpose, right? And I would always wonder later in life, I kind of felt guilty. I'm like, wait a minute. Were those people getting mad that I was taking their stuff and breaking stuff off their trees? Can you imagine being like the blacksmith of Bethphage or, or, or the milkman of, of Bethany? And all these people, thousands of people, come in just ripping the branches off your trees in this spontaneous moment. You're like, what is going on? Wouldn't be real excited. Wasn't my expectation for the day that people are going to go in and rip out my landscaping, right? But the people were compelled. They weren't just grabbing palm branches historically. They were also grabbing olive branches. They were grabbing fig branches. 
They decimated the landscape of the Mount of Olives because they were so compelled, they were so excited. Let's break this down into some, some challenging thoughts. Unexpected choices is kind of what resonated with me. So think about this in context to what we just read. Why now, right? Unexpected choices, why now? For instance, why are we going to Jerusalem now? Well, that, that one is expected. It's Passover. We're expected to go. We should go, right? But if we go, we know that there are people that are waiting to kill you, Jesus. So we probably shouldn't go. You see, the expectations are in conflict with one another. It's never easy following Jesus, is it? But let me, let me twist it a little bit with the facts of the story that are kind of interesting. If you're walking on that road and you're one of his disciples, he turns to say, uh, Bartholomew, right? I'm just gonna pick him because poor guy doesn't have any record in the biblical account for doing much. So uh, I'm just gonna say for conjecture point, he turns to Bartholomew and, and, and Matthew. And he says this proclamation I want you to go into, and it's Bethany. I always thought it was Jerusalem, but it's Bethany. They're, they're in Bethpage, and he says, look, I want you guys to go ahead, and I want you to go find a, 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 a donkey and its baby, its colt. I want you to grab it. I want you to bring it here. This would be tantamount to, to me telling you, look, I know I walk everywhere. It's obvious. I walk everywhere I go. It's, it's my jam, it's what I do. But I'm gonna mix it up a little bit and what I want you to do is I want you to go across the street over there, there's a nice Monte Carlo sedan. I'm just kinda of digging on it. And so I want you to go get that Monte Carlo, knock, knock on the door, tell the owner, give me the keys to your Monte Carlo and then bring it over to me so I can, I can ride that ride to where I'm going. Because where I'm going is really important, so I want you to just go do that. Don't ask, just say. Give it to me. How do you think these guys responded to that? So when we're looking at unexpected choices, I think that's a natural reaction I would have if I was whoever got assigned this great duty, this great honor. Really? We've been walking nonstop for three years, and now you want to ride a donkey. Why now? It's a great question. And it's already been answered today, hasn't it? Because if we look at Jesus' testimony, he knew, there's no record of them giving him any heat over this but he knew it would be problematic. So he said, tell them it will be returned to them, and then he quotes the prophecy. Right? Palm reading. It was prophesied in the Old Testament that Messiah would come on a colt. Jesus may have even prearranged this. But what was required for those disciples was to obey him and act in faith to the unexpected, the unpredictable. 
Really, Jesus? Why now? See, they were reading the wrong things. They were reading the exuberance. They were reading the excitement. They were reading the palms when really they should have been reading the prophecies. They wouldn't have had any doubt as to why Jesus needed to change the expectation. He needed to fulfill the prophecy because when Jesus or God writes it down for us and he says, this is going to happen, it happens. And we'll circle back around to that in a minute. So why this? Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. It it leads to this idea of, of maybe unexpected resources, right? Jesus provided a cult, but... Uh, he required faith to procure it. Jesus provided the cult, which was unexpected, but he also required that his... I mean, they're going that way anyway. Why not just walk up to the house and Jesus say, like he would do to lepers or to um, Pharisees or to whoever, whoever he engaged, but see, he wanted his disciples to learn how to walk in faith. So he required the resource of faith for the triumphal entry. You want to celebrate a king today, stop looking at all the fanfare and look to what is real and what is dependable and what is true and what is reliable, whether it's expected or unexpected. And maybe when it comes to the resources in our life, we have to start relying on resources that maybe aren't as predictable or they don't come with a lockdown of expectation. Faith is this nebulous thing of belief. And that becomes a challenge for us and I'm sure it was a challenge for those disciples even though they had seen all that Jesus was doing over two and a half, three years. Isn't it interesting that Jesus required a step of faith? He could have just walked right up to the house and engaged with the owners himself. But he's interested in involving his disciples in every moment to demonstrate faith in who he is. And then in the aftermath or the afterglow of the event, maybe Bartholomew and Matthew see Oh my goodness, this was the prophecy out of Zechariah. We should have connected it. And he told us to go do it, and we fulfilled it, and we did it. What an honor to engage and partner with the one who the, the crowds are screaming for. He asked me, and I didn't fail him. What is he asking you? Can I encourage you? You don't need to go do palm reading to figure that out. You don't need to do palm reading to, <laughs> to know the future. That the future that we need to understand how to navigate is here for us. And we'll get into that in, in just a moment. So another question is why not? Well, this leads me to this concept of unexpected predictions. Unexpected predictions, this idea of The people saying, Hosanna. Right? Maybe the disciples were thinking, we're going to kind of sneak through the back door because we know that we're we're being hunted. 
Let's just kind of come in under the, the darkness of night, the cover of night, Jesus. That's probably a good plan here. Oh, no, we're going to come right with all the crowds in the middle of the day, and that's not enough. We're going to get the people really excited, and they're going to decimate the landscape and get everybody upset, and then the whole city's going to come out saying, who's this guy? Oh, that's, you know, there's the expectation for someone who just really wants to not survive till Sunday. Why not? There's a lot of reasons to not do what they did. How many of us, myself included, make choices, expected choices, because those are safe choices, but we forego ever seeing God's hand at work? There is such a joy and such an excitement, right? Think about the silliness of the kid who, you know, I know how to read a poem, and, and he's going, uh, okay, you're 13 years old. Wow. Nailed it. Kid just went to my 13th year birthday party, like last week, right? And then they say, and in a year, you're turning 14. You guys got you guys to sit down with this person. It's unbelievable, the, the wealth of knowledge that this person knows about the future. But that's safe, isn't it? There's a lot of people, a lot of pastors in trouble right now for their predictions about COVID and about the economy and about the return of the Lord and about the election and on and on and on. Can I just tell you, you probably shouldn't be listening to any of those individuals if they're going to go out and make blatant statements that didn't come true. That's palm reading. Does that make sense? It's palm reading. But by the same token, we've been burnt so many times by individuals who say they're preaching truth, but they're not, that you what? The pendulum swings over, and so we just lock into this, this little tight pocket of comfort that requires no faith. Jesus says, that's not the world I have for you. So why not? Because you rob yourself the joy of engaging with your king. Amen. You rob yourself of the joy of engaging with your king and understanding the, the power and, and the blessedness and the comfort and getting to know who he is and experiencing him. That's why I believe so much of the church, and I'm going to look out there as well, why so much of the church is spiritually anemic and bored, is that we've said, why not to something that doesn't fit our expectations? And we've We've filtered ourselves, we've sequestered ourselves into this little, tight, comfortable box. Can God be in that box? Yeah. He could be in that box, but nowhere close. I kind of hear the other disciples, especially Peter, but, you know, maybe Andrew, maybe John. Man, why did he pick Bartimaeus or Bartholomew and I wanted to go get the donkey? Those guys are going to, everybody's going to say, oh, they got to go get the donkey. And we're the ones that are like having to clean up the, the cloaks and clean up the palm branches. There's a beauty. Be careful in saying, why not? Hosanna isn't necessarily a legitimate Hebrew word. 
it's a, it's a breakaway from a Hebrew word out of Psalm 118, which means save us. But it is more so just an expression. It's like an onomatopoeia. I've always wanted to say that in a legitimate way. It is, it's like me going to some kind of event where I get really excited, like maybe, um, you know, one of my kids' uh, performances or something. And I just stand up and I yell, shout! That doesn't make a lot of sense though, does it? But that, that's, that's kind of what an onomatopoeia is. That's what Hosanna is. It's an exclamation. It is a praise even in its noun form, it is an exclamation in and of itself. I saw a chart that said it only went back to like 1700. And during the 1800s, the word Hosanna was really popular to be used. And then in the 1900s, 1950s, it went way down. Like people stopped. So you people that were in charge during the 50s, I don't know what you did, but, but we got to turn this thing around. All right, Jay, we got to turn it around. Give me a report later on what happened. So what happens when we say why not? First of all, let me approach these two things in in wrapping up. What is Jesus' spiritual purpose? So much of the time for those individuals walking and the reason that they're decimating the landscaping, they're laying down their cloaks, is they desperately wanted freedom. Right? Right? You can just see Mel Gibson in the middle of him with a blue painted face yelling freedom, right? That's what they desperately wanted and they believed Messiah would do that. So they were on board. Their expectation was to be on board with a Messiah that would take care of them politically, that would free them politically. They wanted nothing to do, very little to do with a spiritual Messiah. You see, what would have happened when we think about why not, we have to ask the question, well, what was Jesus' purpose? See, we wouldn't have had him, nor would Peter have had him fulfill his purpose. Jesus' purpose was to what? Die. You think that was on anybody's agenda list on the Mount of Olives on Sunday? You think anybody palm read that one? And yet it was written into prophecy over and over and over. And somehow they got so distracted with reading the signs of the times that they missed the truth of what God said he was going to do. Now what happens, let me ask you when we're thinking about why not, what if Jesus doesn't fulfill his spiritual purpose but he fulfills our agenda? Or our expectation. What happens for all of us? Or what doesn't happen for all of us? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You remember Peter being valiant. Is this distracting to you guys? I usually have a coat. So this is electronically shocking me to tell me to shut up because time's up. But I endure it for you and for the truth. Let me just shut that off. Now we're going to go another hour, Mary Lou. <laughs> what is Jesus' spiritual purpose? Thank God he didn't listen to Peter. 
Now you're marching on the Mount of Olives, or you're marching from Galilee to Jerusalem. And you have expectations. And your prayers are going out to the Lord. How many of our prayers have nothing to do with Jesus' spiritual purpose? Just like Peter when he said, may it never be. I will not allow you to be killed. Now think, think, what is your spiritual purpose? If my spiritual purpose is not his spiritual purpose, I'm going to get frustrated with the predictions or the unpredictable nature of Jesus working in my life. If I don't align myself with what's going on, I'm going to be in the same state of confusion that the disciples were over the events of this week. Whether it's a fig tree, whether it's the anointing of Jesus' feet, whether it's driving out the money changers, whether it's him being taken captive and Judas, one of their own, betraying, all prophesied, all written down ahead of time. But we want to read tea leaves. Our spiritual purpose, brothers and sisters, when aligned with his spiritual purpose, takes the frustration, disappointment, anger, hurt out of the equation of life. Write it down. In closing, there's a couple things I want to help you with. What does your future hold? How many of you noticed that up on the screen continually? I have these little things that I put in that pocket every single week. I never really refer to them. I thought I'd hit it real quick. That's a subliminal question that's supposed to get you to think about everything else that's there. It's the contextual teaching aid. 1 Corinthians 2.9, Paul writes this, he writes it not as a theoretical, he writes it as something he has experienced and the Lord has shown him. He writes it as an individual who had everything, gave it up, and put himself into harm's way continually for the cause and sake of the gospel. And what does he write? What does he want to share with us? He says, but as it is written, again, more prophecy. That Paul's saying, you should trust in this. I've lived it. I see it. Because my purpose, my spiritual purpose, is in concert with his spiritual purpose. He says, what no, and this is 1 Corinthians 2.9, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. Do you think any of the people on the Mount of Olives that day had any idea what was going to happen at the end of the week? Even the disciples who were told by Jesus that he would raise after three days, even those same disciples that watched the miraculous happen with Lazarus raising from the dead after three days were shocked. Them some some thick-headed disciples. They were shocked because their spiritual purpose still weren't aligned with his. They were reading the, the wrong stuff. They were taking their predictions off of the wrong things. They were doing this and reacting left and right. This is the value, brothers and sisters, to investing into the promises of the Lord and holding to them in faith. Because when he says he's going to do things that don't make sense, defy logic, surpass my understanding, he does them. 
And then we see the benefit down the road. What a great, great God we can trust in. That every single one of those prophecies, every single action Jesus does during the Holy Week is for you. It's for the benefit of you and I spiritually. It's for truth and it's to honor the Father. You're going through a hard, a hard time. You're going through difficulty. You're going through, through um, frustration and anger. Look to the Holy Week and see how Jesus responded. And you will be inspired. Amen? So I have a question for you in close. When we reduce God, we what? This is the part where you get to interact. Let me give you some context. I just said it, but let me, let me circle back so we're, we know we're, we're tracking on the same level. The disciples, specifically Peter, wanted to reduce God. The people on the Mount of Olives wanted to reduce God to their agenda. Just, could you please just free us right now politically? Could you just do that? That'd be great. Problem is, that does nothing for you and I. And the millions upon millions or billions of people that have followed afterwards, right? It's Jesus, come take care of my needs now. What happens when we reduce God to those terms? Any thoughts? Well, just take the example that we have today that we're, we're looking at from Scripture. Take the history of it. What if Jesus had listened to Peter? Right? We're circling back around to this. This is where we started. What if Jesus had listened to Peter? Because Jesus wanted to reduce God to the simple love of their friendship. God is so much bigger than that. He is about that. But he is so much bigger than that. Amen? And that's why it's challenging for you and I. Because there is a much larger agenda. A much larger, unexpected, unpredictable part that's going on. That it will always be a challenge for you and I to key in on. And dare I say... I really hope we don't go down that pathway that the thousands of people did on the Mount of Olives that day. Let's wave branches for the right reason. When we live in his written promises, we what? We expect the unexpected. When I am abiding by his scripture, by his words, by his will, I expect the unexpected. This morning, I had, it was like every five minutes, I had something happen where somebody says something's not working or this isn't happening. I, I had people text me two things that had no validity to them at all. They just got the wrong information, but they're texting me right before service saying, you know, uh, how come da 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 and, and so I'm sitting here, why am I being saddled with this? So I have to go check this information. They just read it wrong. I'm like, what? What is, what? And I had a choice to get derailed by all of these problems. And then I had the wonderful experience of the Holy Spirit telling me, <laughs> what are you preaching on? What's your main point today? What is it you want them all to walk away with? Expect the unexpected when your purpose is aligned with his spiritual purpose. Amen? And I'm standing here before you saying, bring it on, man. I love it. 
Because it gave me a chance to either choose my own agenda or to follow in faith and go get a donkey. Here's some promises, folks. This is my close. When you are tired, Jesus will give you rest, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Amen? As a matter of fact, let's switch it up. When I get done reading a verse, you say, Hosanna. That'll be fun. All right, when you are tired, Jesus will give you rest, Matthew eleven twenty eight. God does the impossible in his will and timing, Mark 10, 27. If we stand firm to the end, we will be saved, Matthew 24, 13. You're getting a little weak. Don't wear out on me. Jesus came to overcome the world, John 16, 33. Jesus answered prayer and is listening to you, Mark 11, 24. Stay on his path and his agenda and you will be successful, Matthew 6, 33. Well done. Well done. Jesus gives you accurate promises that you can trust in. Many of them are unexpected. Many of them don't fit in our agenda. I want you to really think about that this week as you move forward. Start with the promises of God if you want to know the accurate future. In closing, let me just say this. Palm reading might be a gimmick. But prophecy fulfilled is a harbinger of things to come. We learn from this group of people that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies. So if he says he is coming back or he is going and preparing a place for you or the gates of Hades will not prevail against his church, then can I believe in that? You sound like accountants. Come on now, this is Palm Sunday. Can I believe in that? Can you believe in it? Amen, Hosanna, praise God. Then let's start acting like it, including myself. Palm Sunday. Mm. Waving a bunch of foliage and we don't know why. Expect the unexpected when it comes to Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's do this. In closing... I'm done. I've said everything I can say. I was, yeah, thank you. That was a little late. (laughs) Thank you, Cher. Now it's time for you to say, remember Bartimaeus, the guy I just happened to run into on the street? He talked about what happened when Jesus came. I want to give you a chance just to share from wherever you are We only have three minutes to do this. I want to give you a chance to proclaim on Palm Sunday, Hosanna, how did he come to you? How did he come to you? And it may be when you first came to faith with him. It may have been an event that happened this week. It may have been a crisis. It may have been somebody working through him going to go get a donkey, right? Wherever you are, share. Now, I I gave you 40 minutes of warning. Y'all should be ready to go by now. How has that happened in your lives? And don't wait for Brad Walter to say something. Okay? This is for y'all.